Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. If you want to feel fresh, look good, and smell clean, you don't need a whole makeover or a lot of cold, hard cash. You just need grooming products from Bravo Sierra, the company that makes simple, all U.S.-made, non-toxic products everyone can afford. Bravo Sierra's line of body and hair wash, deodorant, shaving cream, sunscreen, body wipes, and moisturizer are field-tested by those who work it the hardest, active service members of the U.S. military. They have pioneered an unprecedented large-scale testing program with 1,000 active duty service members with a simple idea. If the products work for them, they will work for all of us. But it doesn't just stop there. Bravo Sierra also gives back 5% of their sales to programs that help the military and their families. Men's Health Magazine calls it a game-changing grooming line. Try the Bravo Sierra starter set for free. It's three of their best-selling products, full size. You only pay $6.95 for shipping for a limited time only. Just go online to bravosierra.com slash SiriusXM. That's bravosierra.com slash SiriusXM for your free starter kit. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer and the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk about Monday Night Raw from last night, how it ended, and how it started. Ending with Randy Orton and Beth Phoenix, we get into that. What an awesome segment by both Beth and Randy. And then we get into the beginning of Monday Night Raw with Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, and maybe your new WWE champion coming out of WrestleMania 36, Drew McIntyre. And how about this? Two awesome guests. One, WWE Hall of Famer live in studio, Mick Foley, our good friend, joins us. And then Mick sticks around for our interview with AEW superstar Darby Allen. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And obviously you saw it last night to end Monday Night Raw, the RKO from Randy Orton on Beth Phoenix. And again, like Randy Orton has just been money during this whole storyline, Bully. And I said it as we were going to break. This is the story that's selling WrestleMania for me. You know, we already have matches signed for WrestleMania. We have a pay-per-view, believe it or not, coming up on Sunday in Elimination Chamber. And there's things that obviously we're into, Drew McIntyre and Brock, and that's something we'll get into, is definitely a highlight from last night. But this is the story that's going to make me want to buy a ticket in Tampa to see WrestleMania 36. As I've been saying for the past month or so on the show, uh, there's only two stories in pro wrestling that has had me really emotionally invested. It's Randy and everybody that's been involved in the Edge story and MJF and Cody. Last night, once again, a great performance by Randy. 
love the promo, love the physicality. Uh, he did say under his breath, he called Beth a bitch, which, you know, probably led to that boot to the gut, and she was going to probably try to do something to him, and we got the RKO. I like him RKOing the wife. I love all of this stuff. It felt very real. It felt very natural. Beth did a great job of showing that Randy was actually getting to her and making sense and starting to cry. And then at the, at the end, it all hit the fan and we got what we wanted um, or at least what the story needed. So I'm uh, interested to see how they move forward with this. Yes. And yeah, Dave, as you said, this is the story that is selling me on WrestleMania. I do believe that there's an opportunity for Bray and Cena to come up with some intriguing stuff over the next month or so to tell a good story. But right now, this real-life situation with Edge and Randy Orton has me invested. No doubt the best thing going on in the WWE right now. Randy Orton is somebody I bring up a lot on this show before this story started about somebody that we kind of take for granted, you know, somebody that is one of the best in the ring, but yet we don't really talk about him a lot. And you always said, Bully, he goes, Dave, it's because he needs somebody to challenge him. Like, he's great in the ring, he's flawless in the ring, but to really get emotionally invested Randy Orton, he needs somebody that's going to challenge him. When we always talked about Randy Orton, we always talked about how good he was in the ring. Obviously, in weeks, we haven't seen him have a match in the ring. It's it's what we're talking about is what he's saying on the microphone. I truly believe, and maybe you'll bring up something, and maybe the nation will bring up something. Right now, A, I've never been this emotionally invested in Randy Orton. And right now, we might be seeing the best that we've ever seen of Randy Orton in his career. Because I can honestly say, when you're talking about him carrying a storyline, and I can't wait until the matchup at WrestleMania, to me, when he finally does say goodbye, I think it's this story that we're going to bring up that may be the highlight of his career. Old school wrestling terminology for what Randy Orton is doing right now and what him and Edge will do leading into WrestleMania. It's called walk it and talk it. And when you can walk it and talk it, that means your money. That means you don't have to have any physicality leading in to the big blow-off match. The physicality that Randy is doing to uh, did to Matt Hardy or that, that he did to Beth Phoenix is just leading up. Randy and Edge never need to touch, nor do I ever want to see them touch until they touch in the ring at WrestleMania. Walking and talking means that you have the ability to just hold that microphone in your hand and make people want to buy a ticket. Dusty Rhodes 101, sell, 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 and when you're done selling, sell some more. Somebody like Heyman, he can walk it and talk it. He can talk people into the building and talk people to the box office, talk them into putting their money in their pocket, talk them into taking their money out of their pocket and plopping it down for a seat. That is a gift in the wrestling business. Randy Orton has probably always had it in him, just never had 
the right guy across from him. Last night, he had the right woman across from him. He's able to sink his teeth into this stuff. And I'm glad that this story has come along during this time in Randy's career. A much more mature Randy Orton, a much more introspective Randy Orton, a Randy Orton that now as a man, as a husband, and as a father, and as as a consummate professional, can slow it down, and tell the story the way it's meant to be told. It's funny, as you're talking about how he's matured and how this is the perfect story at the perfect time in his career, kind of goes back to what he was saying to Beth Phoenix last night, how, you know, Edge was able to, you know, pull him up at a really bad time in his career because he was immature. Now he's much more mature. He's a good father. He's a good husband. You know, it's funny how a lot of the words, how you're describing Randy Orton's career is exactly the way he described himself last night in the ring on Raw. I could tell you from a personal level that Randy Orton is a much different person. 20 years ago, me and Randy did not see eye to eye. If anybody saw Ruthless Aggression, like the third episode, you could see there was a mistake that happened in a ring like 20 years ago with me, Devon, uh, Batista, and Randy. And there was a lot of animosity that was carried, you know, with me and Randy over the years for for one of those nights that was just a you know a bad day at the office a lot you know everybody got hurt in the ring that night uh just because of a, a, of a mistake a ba- like a bad night and the me and Randy definitely we're, we're not sending each other christmas cards for a long time and then the very first day we saw each other in 2015 when me and Devon had returned to the WWE we instantly shook hands hugged, sat down, and talked for five minutes and realized that we had both matured. We both uh, admitted that we overreacted to the situation. So I can tell you, like from a personal level, this is a different person. And this story was made for Randy Orton at this point of his career. I wouldn't want to see Randy cutting these promos any other time because he wouldn't be able to have the same type of experience within his head and his heart that he has now. That's why you got what you got last night. There weren't any dramatic pauses last night. There was no canned wrestling promo last night. This was Randy going, Beth, here's what it is. Here's the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why of why I caved in your husband's head. It came across very well to me. So sure, we've all got busy schedules and don't have time to spend hours at the gym. That's why there is F45, a 45-minute group workout that's effective as it is fun. F45 sweat-dripping, heart-pumping, high-intensity workouts merge three leading-edge fitness training styles into a functional training experience unlike any other. This experience accessible to all fitness levels is built on innovation, motivation, and results that creates an environment in which goals are met and exceeded. Whether your goal is to lose weight, build muscle, create healthy habits, or meet fitness-minded friends, F45 has something for everyone. Once you take your first F45 class, you'll be hooked. The pulsing up Beat team training atmosphere will make you feel welcome, and our thousands of exercise combinations will keep you guessing every day. So, 
Are you ready to find your nearest studio and join the F45 global fitness community? Dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say F45 membership. They'll send you a location link directly to your phone. That's pound 250 keyword F45 membership. How great was Drew McIntyre last night? Fantastic. How much more fantastic was Brock Lesnar? Well, you couldn't have a fantastic Drew McIntyre if it wasn't for Brock Lesnar selling like he did to that Claymore twice, once in the ring and then on the entrance ramp. Was it twice or three times? Three times. You must have been sleepy time Bobo's. <laughs> no, it was the start of the show. You're going to have to talk about the end of the show. <laughs> look, he's like, look, he you know, he was probably dozing <laughs> no. off. No. Sleepy right. time dozies. No, no, no. And I think the nation might agree. The start of hour three is when you start getting a little bit, little, a little, the eyelids start getting a little heavy. Boy, I'll tell you this in all honesty. If Monday Night Raw was two hours, if last night was two hours, that would have been a great, great show. Three hours is way too long. But. To get back to the beginning of that show, I know where you're going, and you're right. Drew McIntyre, fantastic job. But Brock Lesnar, man, the way he bounced around that ring, the way he sold for for Drew McIntyre, amazing job by Brock. Keyword, sold. Sold. Sell. Selling. Sold. Registering. Selling. Sold. He took one Claymore, and he stayed laid out. And then when he started to get to his feet, he was like, he, he was out of it. He didn't know where he was. He gets up, and he stumbles, and he's stumbling around. People for years have been bitching and moaning about Brock. Let me explain to you what makes Brock a master at what he does. He sells for the right people and at the right times. Just like he sold for the right person and the right time in the Royal Rumble by taking the move and then selling the move afterwards on the floor. And last night when he took the move in the ring and he sold the move in the ring. Then he took it on the ramp and he sold it on the ramp. Brock Lesnar is getting over the Claymore. You know why? Is why? To get over Because Drew that's the move yeah. that's going to beat Brock Lesnar. And if they want to get a little creative with it, it's going to be the move that Brock Lesnar kicks out of. Brock Lesnar is setting two things up here with this Claymore. The Claymore that eliminated him from the Royal Rumble and the Claymore that he hit that got hit three times last night. What Brock is doing is he is preconditioning the universe to understand that this is the move that can take out Brock Lesnar. So when Drew hits that first Claymore at WrestleMania, one of two things will happen. It will either be a monster false finish, or it will be a monster finish. Most likely you're going to get the boat. You're going to get both. Brock might put it in a position where it's a false finish that people can't believe it. And now people are going to say to themselves, oh shit, Drew hit the Claymore. Brock kicked out of it. Brock is going to win. But now the second Claymore is the one that's going to beat Brock. Or maybe the third or the fourth. Who knows? My point is Brock is positioning a finishing maneuver to become ultra credible. 
He's setting Drew and himself up for success with a finishing move, something that you don't see these days in the WWE. And how smart was Brock last night? I don't know if you caught it. I put it on social media this morning. I really don't do this very often, but I did it for a reason. If you take a look at my Twitter, I put a video up and you hear Brock tell Drew to grab the belt. Why? Because it's all about the title. It's all about the title. And Brock wants to precondition the people to see Drew holding that championship so they can relate to him and understand that that is their champion. He also wants Drew to be the guy that the universe wants to see win. Remember, we've talked about this, Dave. People wanted to see Brock lose to Seth Rollins. People have wanted to see Brock lose to just about every single guy he's been in the ring with. Brock is positioning Drew in a way where the WWE Universe will want to see Drew win at WrestleMania. A big flux in emotion right there. I agree. And I like what you said about getting the WWE Universe accustomed to seeing Drew McIntyre with that belt. Because I think Drew McIntyre is truly going to be that people's champion. We thought it was going to work out last year. It didn't. And I think, Bully, you always were right in the fact that it was more about seeing Brock drop that title than Seth Rollins actually winning that title. I don't think that's the case in Tampa Bay at WrestleMania 36. That's why that match, as opposed to what we saw last year, should be your main event. Last year, they wanted to start it hot. They wanted to get people in a great mood. And it wasn't about the moment of the title being held out over the head. It was about seeing Brock Lesnar lose and then moving on. Now, that Brock Lesnar match is your main event. We talked about yesterday about what match should start. And it should be the Goldberg-Roman Reigns. Have that start WrestleMania 36. But I think you would agree, Bully, the match that should end WrestleMania 36 is Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. Without a doubt. If I had the pencil, I'm opening WrestleMania 36 with Roman versus Goldberg, with Roman going over in less than five minutes. And I'm closing with Drew versus Brock in an absolute big man war that has Drew catching the... uh, Catching the Claymore and getting the one, two, three. I agree. Really looking forward to what we're going to be seeing. And now we're starting to see this card come together. We got Elimination Chamber coming up on Sunday. That doesn't, ju- it just doesn't feel right. Like I know there's stipulations. We're going to find out who the number one contender is for the Raw Women's Championship and the SmackDown Women's Championship. But really, more than any other time, I think the Elimination Chamber pay per view is just unnecessary. Because they did a good job of not selling me on the pay-per-view I'm seeing on Sunday. I thought last night they did a great job of selling me on WrestleMania 36. So there's not going to be a men's chamber, right? No. I would have used the men's chamber match as a way to solidify Drew as the rightful um, uh, number one contender. It would have been great to see Drew 
put his number one contendership on the line in the chamber, saying that if I'm going to do this, not only am I going to do it the right way, I'm going to do it in a way where nobody can ever second guess me. I eliminated Brock at the Rumble. I won the Rumble. Now I'm going to put my number one contendership to the championship on the line in the elimination chamber. If I lose that match... You can have my title shot, but I'm guaranteeing victory in the chamber, and then I'm going on to beat Brock. If you have a babyface make all of those guarantees and back them up, that's what's called strapping the rocket to a guy's back and watching him take off into the stratosphere. And here's the thing, because the way it's set up right now, Elimination Chamber, to me, is an unnecessary pay-per-view, and here's why. I mean, you're going to get Andrade and Umberto for the the United States Championship. Hell of a tag match, so that's going to be a match that's definitely going to be entertaining. Aleister Black and AJ Styles in a no-disqualification match, that's going to be a very good match, too. But this is where it gets wonky, because you have the Street Profits against Seth Rollins and Murphy for the Raw Tag Team Championship. That story just started last night. Like, this was... Really unnecessary. I, I, I don't think you need that for a pay-per-view. And then you're going to get, since we're not getting the men's Elimination Chamber match, you're now getting an Elimination Chamber match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And you got some really good teams, but we see this played out each and every week on Friday Night SmackDown. Then you're going to get Braun Strowman, your Intercontinental Champion, in a three-on-one handicap match. Against Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. Does nothing for me. And then the Elimination Chamber match for the Raw Women's Championship is Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. To me, doesn't really do anything for me. Just give me Shayna Baszler against Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 36. To me... Elimination Chamber, an unnecessary pay-per-view this year. I understand where you're coming from. The show must go on. They must put the best possible show they can together with keeping everybody safe and continuing whatever small storylines they got going into WrestleMania. You brought up Shayna's name. What did you think of Shayna and Kari last night? I wasn't a fan. Um, If that was Shayna and Asuka, obviously we talked about that yesterday. We thought we were getting that match. We were excited for that match. And then you found out she had a wrist injury and was not going to be participating in it. It was Kari Sane. I'm sorry, but for me, Kari Sane against Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler should have just kicked Kari Sane's ass. Um, should not have had a back-and-forth 13-minute match this close to what we're going to see at Elimination Chamber for Shayna and what we're ultimately going to see at WrestleMania 36. I would have liked to have seen a much more clear-cut, concise victory for Shayna. The thing that concerned me last night as I was watching, I wasn't watching NXT Shayna. I was now watching main roster Shayna. Big freaking difference. And that difference was not good in my eyes. I don't want to see main roster Shayna. I want to see the NXT version. I want to see that badass that was in NXT. To me, it looked like she was walking on eggshells last night. 
she, you what know, is- I she seemed off. This was not the Shayna Baszler we've been watching on NXT. And Shayna Baszler was such a badass on NXT. And you actually heard it. And listen, I don't condone it. It's uh, To me, it's a little disrespectful, but people pay their ticket, and I guess they could chant whatever they want. But there was actually boring chants during that match between Shayna Baszler and Kari Sane last night. Now, the ladies could have had an off night. There could have been some miscommunication. Things could have gone wrong. That's totally fine. It will happen. Um, you never want it to happen on live television or in front of a crowd like Brooklyn. But, hey, anything can happen on any given night. you got to get past it. It was, to me, Shayna looked a bit confused at times. Um, it looked like she wasn't letting it all hang out and go and not worry she seemed i i could see her thinking a lot like instead of going out there and and just putting the pedal to the metal it almost seems like she was working to not make any mistakes and i hate when i see that in wrestlers because i feel bad for them because i know they're working it you know out of a sense of fear and you get that in the wwe a lot dave Guys and gals going out there hoping that they don't screw up because they don't want, you know, they don't want to get in trouble or they don't want to get heat or they don't want to get fired. To be a top-level performer, you have to go out there without any fear. Am I saying Shayna Baszler was afraid, like she's scared of Carrie Sane? Absolutely not. I'm talking about the fear of not putting on a great performance. And you know what? I wasn't a fan of the entire segment. Like, you're, you're right. Shayna Baszler is off. Seemed like she was walking on eggshells. This was main roster Shayna Baszler. This wasn't the Shayna Baszler we were used to watching on NXT. A match with Kari Sane, no disrespect to Kari Sane, that match should not have been a 13-minute match. And the other part of it, I wasn't crazy about Becky Lynch either. Becky Lynch, to me, was playing the role of Baron Corbin last night. Like, I wasn't a big fan of the -the over-the-top of Becky Lynch last night. Gabby, I see you over there shaking your head when Dave was talking about the fact that he didn't like Becky last night. So, go ahead. So, Give me your two cents. I was one of the ones when she came out with the sunglasses and that new little attitude. Like, I actually really liked it when a lot of people didn't because I thought it was entertaining and it was humorous. And I, would, I even said, I hope they don't overdo it. I hope they don't make it too over the top where it's not really kind of funny anymore and it's not really like that confident, cocky kind of person. And last night, they did it over the yep. top. It went over, the glass was full, and they toppled it over. You know what I mean? Like, it was just too much. Like, too I much. get what they were trying to do, and I understand why it was kind of funny, and, you know, but it pushed it, it pushed it, it pushed it, and last night it was a little too much for me, and then I was like, oh, I don't find it funny anymore. Like, that little bit that they had me, I lost it. You said that you get what they were trying to do. Can you please explain to me what they were trying to do? I think they're trying to make it like she is this badass that can kind of do whatever she wants. And I think they're trying to make you kind of love her again because I think it was lost a little bit when we had that whole conversation about is she really like the people's champ anymore? She just seems, you know, she's calling everyone like morons or what was the term she used? I, I always forget. Yeah, no, but she, yeah, she was calling them stupid. So, they, so we were like, do we, do we even like her anymore? Like, oh, we don't even know if we really like her. She's just getting like arrogant, whatever. Now it's so... 
badass of what dopes. she's do- dopes. Dopes, dopes is what she said. Yeah. Now when she was coming out with the sunglasses and stuff, I was like, oh no, it's funny. She's just like cocky because she knows she's good and she could beat everybody. I like her now because you know she's coming out like I don't really care. It is what it is. It's you know that kind of vibe. Like I'm a badass. I know it, but I'm here for you people. Like let's all have a good time and like let's wrestle and I'm gonna beat everybody and I'm confident. But last night it was like that arrogance that I don't really like. Like now she's a little too. What's like it, the, it, let me let me ask you this. Cartoonish almost. It, it felt cartoonish, but and I, I'm not an MMA. I'm not an MMA fan. So yes. strike me down if I'm wrong. Like year ago, we were comparing her to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. Now she's kind of being like Conor McGregor. Yes. Like that 100%. over the top, uh, cocky personality that's easy to dislike. Yes. So she went from being like the cool, confident personality to being like that over the top cocky character that's the the one that you're going to dislike. She took it and ran with it too much. You know, it's like if you give them a little bit and you're like, oh, I like it, I like it. And now she like went over with it. Now she's doing too much with it. And it's like, we we liked it for a second and now you ruined it for everybody. Well, think about where we were with Becky Lynch, Bully, before WrestleMania 35. She was the people's person. She was the one that we wanted to get behind. She was the underdog. She was the one that was disrespected. She was the one that never got the opportunity. And we were all behind her going into WrestleMania 35, though there were some pitfalls on the road to WrestleMania 35 in Jersey. Here we are a year later before WrestleMania 36, and look at her now. Now with the mink coats, the sunglasses, they're putting Jerry Lawler's crown on and all that stuff. She's like that over-the-top prize fighter that's not confident anymore. Now it's cocky. It's like daring people to hate me, hate me for who I am. Like, where's the people's champion? Where's the where's the underdog? And, like, I know a lot of people get on me about, well, she's just being confident. She's not being confident anymore. Three months ago, she was being confident. Now she's being cocky to the point of annoyance, and now I want to see her ass get beat at WrestleMania 36. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting. Uh, I'm sure that there are a ton of Becky supporters who are listening right now who are punching their listening device because they're so pissed off about your take, Dave, and your take, Gabby. I would love to hear from the Uber Becky fan right now, and I'd love to hear from them. And if you want to hit us up on the Twitter machine, that's fine, but I'd much prefer if you called in 877-344-4893. Tell us what you loved liked or loved about Becky Lynch last night on Monday Night Raw because much like the both of you, I was a bit confused. This cockiness, I'm not sure if it's a Conor McGregor. We eat, it's weird. We've compared Becky now to three different people. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Conor McGregor, and The Rock. But it doesn't seem like any of those directions we're going in seem to be working. Last night was really odd to me when she was standing at, uh, you know, when she was sitting at, at, at announce and then when she stood up afterwards. Other than her entrance, do you feel like she resonated with the crowd? No. I mean, and, and listen, there was a lot of videos of people there. She got a good reception for sure in Brooklyn. She got a nice pop when she came out. And, I, and, and listen, who she's probably going against, she got a nice pop, and the person she's probably going against is getting boring chance. So, 
I, I guess people are liking this character change in Becky. It's just not resonating with me. It's not resonating with you. And it's not resonating with Gabby. So are those those blind loyalists that are still popping for Becky? Or are fans seeing something that I'm not seeing right now, Bully? So far, Becky's opponent has bitten Becky on the back of the neck, which I don't think a lot of people were into. We saw Becky and Shayna have a back and forth or where Shayna spoke to Becky while she was on the Tron, which was a, you know, probably a pre-produced promo that whenever I see somebody on the Tron and somebody in the ring, I, it kind of loses it for me because I'm not getting that confrontational moment that I'm looking for. And then we got we got last night. Maybe I'm missing one or two segments. I don't think so. But I think we've seen the three of them associated with each other in one way, shape or form three times now. Not one of the three times with from their interactions makes me want to see them go at it. Before Shayna Baszler showed up, I was more interested in Shayna versus Becky than I am now. They, I think they've completely dropped the ball on Shayna Baszler. Like, you're right. When we started hearing the rumors of this matchup at WrestleMania 36... When she was still with NXT, we were excited. But what we've seen from her so far since she's been on the main roster, definitely not something that's going to excite you for a show like WrestleMania. One of the brightest new talents in the UFC. You don't know what you're dealing with. The next level, you know, I'm a bona fide star. Takes on one of the most explosive fighters in the division. Flying knee. He knocked him out. Wow. That's it. The middleweight title is on the line when Israel Adesanya meets Yoel Romero at UFC 248. Join Sirius XM Fight Nation this Saturday for full coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, followed by post-fight reaction and analysis at 1 a.m. Eastern. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. We bring the fight to you. You still have the Nice Day Tour going on, which hits the roads again March 10th in Roanoke, Virginia. And as always, you can go to realmcfoley.com. For ticket information. Yeah, man. I'm I'm wrong. Last time I was on here, I was like, ah, it's a good show. It's not as good as the last tour. And then you get out there on the road and you start working on things. It's like a match. You know, you see what works, what doesn't. You keep adding things. You disregard the stuff that don't doesn't work. And uh, I'm now I'm confident that people are going to feel it's at least up there at that level. Okay, I'm glad uh, there's yeah. more confidence yeah, yeah. now in the show. Well, brother. I was confident. I was confident that it was a mediocre show. <laughs> uh, now I'm confident, brother, brother. We are getting standing O's, you know, yeah. for the uh, for the finales. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm going to start weaving new stories in. Get to a point where I've got almost like three revolving shows on the tour. And uh, the beauty of it is when we do the 45 minute Q and A. Uh, a, that brings a new dynamic every single night. And B, uh, I've watched a, enough political talk shows to know how to pivot from a question okay. I don't want to answer or that does, or a yes or no answer. Uh, you know, what? which of the characters are your favorite to portray? That's a one word answer, right? Or two word if you go mm -hmm. with dude love, which is not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, you know, I, I try my best to work those questions into stories and I'm pretty confident that uh, I'm really confident I leave it all out there on the stage every night, and I'm pretty confident that people will come and feel like it's uh, up there with the best stuff I've done. Hey, Mick, uh, on a side note real quick, I'm not sure if this is a sore subject or not, but uh, I met Frank the Clown two weeks ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's still a little touchy. No, go ahead. Go. Let's see. Let's <laughs> no, see where you go with it. this. That's, 
no, that's the story. I met Frank, Frank the Clown, and uh, yep, that's it. That's the statement. Hey, look, Boom, uh, period. I'll ha- this is something I'll have to do when I get home today. This is I was going to call it the things we do for love and put it up on social media. I actually ordered a Frank the Clown shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be my olive branch to my beautiful daughter. <laughs> hey, it could, it could be worse. You know, he's a nice guy. He's, he's straight edge. And the big uh, the, the big issue was he wasn't working a few years ago. He's got a good job. Uh, he is a good addition to any wrestling card. I don't know if you've seen Frank in action. He cuts a heck of a promo. Like, he gets heat. Granted, most of the heat he's getting is with the boys in the dressing room, <laughs> but that carries over a little bit to the audience. Like he is, and then I did a thing, you know, uh, at uh, in Chicago on the heels of Starcast, and I had to make sure. No, it's it's we can call it a face to face confrontation. Like it can't be a match because once I've had a match, then I, it's difficult to tell any other promoter. No, I can't do matches, and besides. You know, if you go off in the last match, last singles of match of your career is with Ric Flair in, I think, 2010, and now you skip board 10 years ago, it was Frank the Clown. <laughs> you go from Ric Flair to Frank the Clown. But we did have a face-to-face <laughs> altercation where I may or may not have attempted to set his genitalia on fire. And... Uh, <laughs> And we uh, and we got a great new catchphrase or chant out of it. They went, "Light him up, Foley! Light him up!" <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good olive branch with the merch because it's not every you know the, you know your child's boyfriend is you know you can buy that merchandise to kind of have that olive. Yeah. Branch. I don't know what that's going to be like for me because. Bully, as you know, my daughter just turned 16. So that's the, this is going to, I know this is going to be the age that's going to drive me to an early grave. That's one of the pitfalls, Mick, of having a daughter is now, now the heat goes to another level once they heat, the, you know, they hit this age. I didn't have, I didn't even have a flicker of heat with my daughter. Really? Teens. Not even a flicker. Yeah. God bless. Yeah, it went pretty smoothly. Uh, we had, at she one saved point, it. She brought home Frank the Clown. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the twenties is a different story. Yeah, he's, but, uh, he's a clown. No, he literally is a clown. He's got, he's got a good sense of humor. No, he's he's a clown. <laughs> like he he makes jokes at parties. No, Dad, he's a clown. He wears a, a green wig. <laughs> Actually, you know how he started? Here, this guy is he's sharp as a tack, though. What he's learned to do is game the WWE system. So if anyone out there is listening, is Frank will wait until he is. Uh, should I give away his, his his tricks? He'll wait until a few minutes before the show goes live, when there are always some people who are supposed to show up who don't show up. It's then that WWE releases a handful of tickets. He scoops one up, then goes into the bathroom to clown up, knowing WWE does not want him on camera. And it's almost like uh, a pact he has with WWE. They're like, okay, Frank, here's your ticket. And they'll give him a front row ticket away from the hard camera just to get him off the hard camera. So that's the reason why Frank's able to score those great tickets. I love the fact, too, that Mick said he clowns up. Like, you know, like we talk about Hogan hulking up, Frank clowns up. I'll tell you what, though, brother. (laughs) Brother Ray, Bully Ray, you talk about heat. Like, I went the way it was supposed to be done, WWE, the day before the tickets go on sale, I get my my tickets for my uh, for my uh, WrestleMania raffle, right? And they're they're expensive. I also buy a couple for Noel, one for Huey, and I had, a you know, like a wish child. I kind of arranged a wish of my own, so I bought four tickets, and they were pretty, you know, they're pricey, right? Yeah. And they're good, but they're like 25th row. 
And then I go out to do my thing with with Austin and Sean. And who do I see sitting in the front row? A guy who did not previously have tickets at all. Front row, WrestleMania, Frank the Clown. And at that <laughs> moment, brother, after having, you know the way I feel about dropping a couple of G's, right? I just dropped a couple of G's on tickets. <clears throat> and here's this literally clown in the front row. Yeah, it was a little, a little perturbed. WWE, awesome. I, I mean, Bully, yesterday they took our they took our sign, they took the Busted Open sign, they took away our fill-in, fill-in host, they took away our producer. WWE is just grabbing for us. Why are they show. not happy with you guys? Uh, no, they, they must be happy with us. They took my uh, fill-in host and they took my producer. They took them for their uh, own? They just took them. Okay. It's a problem. Now it is. I'm available for parties. <laughs> Nick, I, I want to get I want to get back into the, to the nice day tour. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, on the tenth of March, it goes back out on the road. Go to, for ticket information again. Go to realmcfoley.com. And I know this is also for autism acceptance. If you can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of two different things. We talked about the raffle we've done in the past. The past. I think this is the second year I've been doing it for autism acceptance. There's a great group called uh, Culture City that uh, does a variety of things for people of, an ex- of exceptional needs. And one of which is they've made everything from zoos to arenas to even stadiums sensory friendly for people who are on the spectrum. And, I'm, you know, if I've made one contribution, whoa, sorry about that, to uh, <laughs> I'm not a burper. I, I don't find it funny, but, I, you know, that was a legit burp coming out of the hardcore legend. All good. Uh, I, I just I I uh, I sent a DM to Brandy Rhodes said hey uh, the, there's a guy he's a great guy he's looking to see if you might be interested in uh, making AEW sensory friendly and then, then two days later I see a picture of the founder uh, Julian of uh, of uh, Culture City sitting with the Rhodes at a at a um, at an Atlanta Hawks game and I'm wow. like I guess that went well wow. and within a week they had uh, Starcast lined up as the first you know sensory friendly wrestling uh experience and so i'm really happy to have played a small role in making the that show more a live experience more accessible to the most amount of people but we are raising money for a great cause and so i know there's probably other raffles going on and on a certain level they can do more than i can but on the other level no one will do everything they possibly can to make it the best experience possible. So uh, I have people who reach out who were past winners and they'll say on social media, it was better than I could have dreamed of because awesome. I like you, this is like the breaking news is like, they, you know, you don't just go to the hall of fame. You sit with me at the hall of fame. So that's breaking news. The hall of fame, they are floor tickets at hall of fame, but you'll sit with me when it comes to access, you go with me to access when it comes to WrestleCon, you know, I just told my winners last year, like, who are the five people you want to meet? And they went with all the, you know, the the, the big guns, you know, uh, Brett and Rick, uh, Lita, Trish. And luckily, you know, I'm, I've got, I still got that uh, uh, pull. pull where I can just walk up to Rick and walk up to Brett and, uh, and uh, Trish and Lita. And they had an amazing time. So if people want to check that out. Um, it should be up on the website. If it's not, it'll be up here by tomorrow, realmcfoley.com. If not, go on Twitter, which is realmcfoley.com, because I push it generally after each one of the televised shows. I'll put something out there. But it's going to be a a great way to raise money. It's uh, as little as $10 to enter. People know that when they get the word out, they're lessening their chances of winning, but they get the word out anyway because it's the right thing to do. And I think it's the... um, 
seventh or eighth year that we've been doing a raffle. You know, I'd done it for rain in the past uh, for several years, but uh, I have a child on the autism spectrum, so this uh, cause really hits home. Uh, I know the uh, founder personally. I know the money's all always going to the going to be used in the best possible ways. And if people have an extra ten dollars or more and want to take a chance on the ultimate, the ultimate WrestleMania experience, then uh, then check out the raffle. Well, and again, go to realmcfoley.com for all the information. So they can fo- or, or they can follow you at realmcfoley on your Twitter account and get the information. It's not up there yet, but I'll make sure like you said, it's on the it's website be up today. For sure. Um, you mentioned AEW before. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, Darby Allen's going to call in uh, for the first time here on Busted Open. Uh, have you gotten a chance to watch AEW? Or are you are you liking what you see? Yeah, not only have I seen Darby on AEW, but I saw Darby in the Indies uh, for Northeast Wrestling. And, uh, man, they've got good cards. Bubba, have you ever uh, worked for uh, Northeast? Yes, I've uh, uh, been on two shows with them, and then Darby has been on both of them, so I've got to spend a little time with Darby. Yeah, and you could see the uh, the guy, um, uh, the promoter, like he, grew, you know, he like he builds his guys, and so Darby, I saw him when he's just a you know real soft spoken young man, kind of stayed off to his own. He's got that wild face paint, you know, and he's kind of working on the you know the first couple matches, and uh, the next thing I know, we go we do a um, big show at uh, Six Flags, New Jersey. And uh, and now he's uh, Moxley is is just raving about this match he had with this kid the night before, like where he's like, you know, I, I mean, I was handcuffed against the rock and I managed to drop an, a headbutt on his genitalia, right? And then the next year I was handcuffed against Triple H and I managed to pull off a, <laughs> a drop toe hold. Darby was handcuffed and was cutting backflips off the top rope. With, you know, with his hands. Uh, crazy. Yeah, like just crazy stuff. And so he's been able to incorporate uh, this, you know, uh, you know extreme games mentality. And uh, I'd say, you know, channel a little bit of the spirit of a young Jeff Hardy. And uh, and he's reaching that demographic, you know, that <clears throat> that the, uh, the Bubba Rays and the Cactus Jacks of the world are probably not going to tap into. So uh, I think he's a fine young man and an amazing performer. It's interesting to hear you compare him to Jeff Hardy because that's exactly uh, who I compared him to. I said, this is AEW's version of a young Jeff Hardy from 20 years ago. And, you know, Jeff and Matt uh, able to catch lightning in a bottle. And Jeff was that, you know, the standout star. And every time you see Darby come out, he's getting a louder and louder reaction. And I think the interesting thing is we don't see Darby Allen every single week on AEW television. So when they do present him to you and he do, and he does come out, it is special. And when you keep somebody special and away from the people, that's like a recipe for success. Uh, in the WWE, he would probably be force-fed down people's throats every single week. AEW is being really judicious with their time management with their younger talent, and Darby is definitely uh, benefiting from it. I think that's a great point. And when Bubba and I talk about uh, Bully and I, what's the acceptable phrase these days? I've been it it doesn't <clears throat> matter. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> when uh, when Mark and I... <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when we uh, uh, make a reference or a comparison to Jeff Hardy, we're not saying copycat at all. 
We're just saying as two guys who were there when the Jeff Hardy phenomenon took off. Bubba got there a little bit later when Jeff was already firmly entrenched, but it's the same type of feeling of here's a guy who's reaching people that other parts of the audience may not be reaching. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's organic, it's cool, and uh, it doesn't come along too often. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Bully, somebody that we've talked a lot about on this show before what we saw at AEW Revolution on Saturday, but especially after what we saw this past Saturday, and that's our guest right now, and that's Darby Allen. Darby, it's Dave LaGreca, it's Bully Ray, it's Mick Foley. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? We're good. We're excited to talk to you, man, especially after that match you had at Revolution on Saturday. you got to be proud of yourself. Yeah, that was uh, that was really crazy. Now, Darby, keep in mind, yeah, the whole thing was, yeah. you are what we call in this business an enigma, and uh, and that's good. People talk about you, they wonder about you. So, what I'm suggesting is you might be damaging your career by talking to Lagreca today oh. on Busted Open. So, don't let him, don't let him get you talking about anything you don't feel comfortable with. Okay, man. You got a bright right, future ahead of you. Just... Don't let Lagreca mess this thing up for you. <laughs> All right, I'll just hang up if I feel uncomfortable. I think that's the thing to do. Great. All right, I mean... <laughs> no, go ahead, Dave. No, I mean, uh, no. There's nothing but positive yeah. things to say to Darby Allen. Um, Bully's always talking about how AEW is doing a great job of taking their younger talent and getting them over and putting them on a tremendous showcase, like. TNT, but I want to go back to the match, Darby, that you had with Sammy Guevara this past Saturday. It was a hot match. People were excited, and and you have all these superstars in such great matches. Like, you had Jericho, and you had Moxley. You had that phenomenal tag match. But how does it feel for you that people were talking, after all of what they saw on Saturday, when we went on the air on Monday, a lot of people wanted to talk about you. I mean, how does that feel for you? Uh it feels crazy because this is like, for me, it's still so new to be in this kind of spotlight. Um, uh, and then, um, I don't know, after everything I saw on the pay-per-view, I was watching in the back and, uh, I don't know, it's, it's crazy that just, you know, I don't know, the whole thing was insane. So, um, I don't know, I'm just happy that I'm in one piece after that, but it's uh, flattering, at the least. Darby, what makes you tick, man? Why do you think the people are so mm-hmm. into you? What is it about you that is resonating with the people? Why do people get up and cheer when they see you? I think it's because it's something different, for sure. Um, I've said it before a long time ago. When it comes to like my view on wrestling, I never wanted to recycle wrestling back into wrestling. I took all my other um, life hobbies and passions, whether it be skateboarding or filmmaking, and I uh, put it into wrestling. So um, I think people see something different, and then they're like, oh, shit. So uh, it was fun. Uh, Darby, the the comparison we've been kind of coming up with, and I'm sure this is not a new one to you, is Jeff Hardy. 
And what we mean when we say that is with Bubba and I both being there when Jeff Hardy took off, it was so new. It was so much different than what anyone else was doing. And even the personality, you remind me of Jeff in the sense that uh, you're reserved, you are enigmatic. In WWE, uh, Jeff actually went through some hazing because people thought he was cocky because he was quiet. And I thought, well, you know, if you were Matt Stryker and you were, you know, loud, then you didn't know your place. Like, I, I thought they wow. should be a, a WWE handbook that each new talent received to know the proper amount of talking they should do. But you do remind me of Jeff very much in the sense that you are resonating with uh, with people who might otherwise not even be watching professional wrestling. Mm. Yeah, I'm uh, you got that spot on. Uh I wouldn't even, you would never see me like really being super loud. I would always kind of be hiding out in the back. I'm a, yeah, I don't talk that much at all. And yeah, I guess some people might think it's from being cocky. That's just me. Like, I just feel socially awkward. No, I understand. Um, it's the, like, you know, it's the opposite of cockiness, you know, uh, you know, being shy and especially, you know, uh, I was a shy young man who found a way to express himself in the ring. And I think, that's kind of what you're pointing at also because uh, it was really John Moxley who was raving about you uh, the day before um, the day before uh, uh, Northeast Wrestling's uh, uh, big show at uh, Six Flags and and I was and I was like did that quiet kid in the back like I'd seen you enough to know you did some spectacular things. But, uh, you know, doing it on a level with Moxley in front of a big crowd and a main event capability. And I believe that was the first night that you and I said more than, hey, how are you doing? Because honestly, it's tough to get more out of that out of Derby than, hey, how are you doing? And so you had that spectacular match with JT Dunn uh, that night. I don't know if you remember me coming up to you where I said I'd watch that whole match and it was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember actually uh, talking for a long time earlier in that day just about film and whatnot. So talked about your movies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. Uh, it's it's cool. I just I read a good article on Kenny Omega where he talked about bringing in those passions or for filmmaking, uh, not in filmmaking, cinema in his case, you know, being yeah. an ardent movie watcher, trying to come up with storylines that were not, as obvious to wrestling as they as they were to cinema and taking in other inspirations outside of wrestling. And I think when you do that, you are making yourself uh, accessible to people who otherwise might not be watching what we do. I really commend you on doing that. Yeah, it's just um, my whole thing right now is I just want to be more than known as more than just a wrestler. I've um, been trying to like, I'm working on a new movie like that I'm directing. I'm working on a new skate video that I'm making. I've, uh, I try to do like, I've been going on these like crazy, like just trips and filming just like crazy stuff. Like that's like nothing to do with like wrestling. And it's just, I don't know. This guy's, I don't know. I just want to, I film, I used to film a lot of stuff for like MTV, like stunts and stuff like that. So I want to like, get back into all that stuff and just have crossovers and stuff. Darby, with all of these outside interests that you have, is wrestling your number one passion? Yes, for sure. Right now, there's no doubt about it. Um, just going out there 
because with skateboarding, you would fall and you'd eat shit. And then there'd be like five people being like, yo, bro, are you okay? Like, whatever. But with the wrestling, there's like thousands. And it's like a big, there's nothing that can describe it for me. Like, it's um, it's crazy. Like, definitely my number one passion. For sure. If rest. If 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 God forbid something were to happen and wrestling wasn't there for you tomorrow, which one of your other interests would you put all your time and effort into? Filmmaking, for sure. Why? I um because um I, I went to film school for a, a bit before I dropped out, but um it just it's a nice way to express myself, and like I said, I'm a gonna start making my own full length film here in like a couple months. Um I already got the screenplay and everything, so it's already something that I'm like jumping into. It's just a nice way to express myself. Well if you need so, any extras, I'm always I'm always free. <laughs> I don't know if you want to be in this movie to be honest. <laughs> All right. Um let me ask you this, Darby. Um, we we hear in, in wrestling circles a lot about having freedom, you know, freedom for your character, freedom of your personality. Does AEW give you that freedom that you need? Oh, absolutely. Um, perfect example. It's just the stuff that I do outside of the ring. Like yesterday, we, uh, I, we drove to it was like Maryland and uh, Travis Pastrana, He's a dude from the Nitro Circus MTV show. Uh, he races, like, motocross and, like, monster trucks. We went to his house and did some crazy stuff. Um, and just having that freedom, for example, just to do that, like, on a Monday and make all these connections and have this freedom to travel around because the schedule is so accommodating. Um, yeah, they give me, like, everything I need, and it's, like, you know, it's crazy. Definitely in the ring, too. They just let me be me, and I film my own video packages, and I turn them into them, and they just put them on. Man, that's that's revolutionary uh, stuff. You know, one of my contributions uh, back in the day with World Class, when I didn't... Uh, and Dari, I don't know if you knew that I came from, a, uh, like, a TV and radio background in college. Uh, uh, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, so I may have, sa- I may have told you that... Uh, when I wasn't sure whether, you know, uh, um, financially, whether the business was going to pan out for me financially, even when I was in world class and, you know, my second territory, I would spend at least one day a week, if not two, down in the editing suite uh, outside of Dallas in a town called Las Colinas, working with video Bob Von Gursky, just absorbing everything I could because I felt like if I wasn't going to be on the one side of the camera, I'd like to be on the other and to this day, on the old world class tapes, you can hear the very professional voiceover. Let's take another look <laughs> at Devastation Incorporating and ambushing Eric Embry. But I, I found that the that background really came in handy when I went to uh, <clears throat> not only world class, where I would feel comfortable enough taking the cameraman to the side and saying, like, all right, when I'm coming off the ring apron, you're shooting over my shoulder, and we're losing the perception you know, of we're losing the depth perception. And he'd say, well, what do you think? I said, can we get a low angle shot in there? And I remember when I would go around at first, when I was in WCW and even in WWE, it was like, oh, here's this pain in the neck guy telling us how he thinks his matches should be shot. And now that's become an accepted practice, right, Bubba? Like, they want to know the big moves. 
they want to know how to capture them. But I found that that was a big bonus for me in that I was thinking visually. And it sounds to me like uh, you are constantly thinking visually of the best ways to portray what you do on TV. Wow. Same same thing. Uh, when I get to the building, I'll go up to all the cameramen, the director, everybody, and I tell them all the big moments and where I think it'd be best to shoot it. Like uh, same exact thing, hundred uh, percent. Last question for me, Darby, is you, you you know you Mick was talking about sometimes in the locker room you have to be a little cautious and you're definitely quiet. Have have you been accepted in the AEW locker room? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's, there's a lot of strange dudes. In the in that AW AD, I, I think you'd be uh, <laughs> you'd be at a loss if you weren't a strange dude, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think that I, I love the idea. Uh, just earlier, Darby, we were talking about the fact that uh, Cody and Brandy made sure that AEW was sensory inclusive for uh, people on the spectrum. And that, uh, you know, I played a tiny hand in helping that happen. It was a big deal to me because my son's on the the spectrum. And I think that idea of being all-inclusive carries over to the dressing room. You know, it seems like a great grunt, great bunch of men and women all working towards a common goal. And uh, I wish you uh, the very best, not only with wrestling, but in everything you, uh, you set your mind to. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And of course, you can see Darby Allen every single Wednesday on Timeout. Well, Timeout. What? what? Timeout. Mick Foley is not used to putting people over this hard and getting absolutely no response other than, yeah, thanks. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, well yeah, I mean, <laughs> the correct Mick response is Darby, Darby, Mick's, Mick's ego is huge. <laughs> Mick's ego is bigger than Dreamer's ass. You wow. have to blow That's more huge. smoke no, no. up Mick Foley's ass. No, no, it's it's got to be more than just a uh, thank you. No, you think, oh, my God, Mick, I loved you. I Cactus Jack, no, no. Uh, the bang, bang thing. You got to put this guy over. You know how these freaking veterans uh, are. No, I, I will not say I'm that veteran, but Darby, just to play it safe. <laughs> You might want to add the little means a lot, dot, dot, dot. You got to have means a lot, dot, 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 coming from you. So I won't take it the wrong way. Uh, no, I understand. What's that? And then I saw your, uh, that movie, the peanut butter falcon that you were talking about. That's, so, it's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, it was a great movie, so. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of us, we've been, yeah, I appreciate that, especially, you know, a guy who's so passionate about coming film. Coming from you. I appreciate coming from you, a guy who's so passionate about film. <laughs> but it's rare. A lot of us have had the opportunity to be in movies, to be part of a great movie, even in a small part like I had. I think Jake is spectacular as the as the meanest man in the world who would rather shine in a backyard than help make the dreams of a young man with Down syndrome come true but yeah thanks darby i appreciate it i really enjoyed being part of that and i had the it felt like it was a great movie while we were doing it yeah it was it was insane it was yeah super fun well, you can see Darby Allen every single Wednesday night on TNT on AEW Dynamite. And, and Darby, again, I'm I'm free for an extra in the movie. I was uh, at the end of Boogie Nights. If you saw Boogie Nights, uh, I was a fill-in at the end of that movie. Uh, but thank you so no, much. Just, Appreciate just, uh... the time. Now, wait, wait, Darby, before we go, <laughs> just, to, just to make sure you learn this lesson, Bubba's going to say something nice about you, and I want to hear how you respond. Go ahead. 
But I say something nice about Darby almost every week. I'm a huge fan of Darby. Uh, I, uh, his energy, his charisma, his everything. I'm looking forward to working with him. I'm looking forward to kicking out of the coffin drop. And I'm looking forward to putting him through a flaming table. All right. Now, Darby, your response is, means a lot. Thank, thank you, sir. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Darby, this was awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time and good luck. And again, we'll see you on Dynamite on uh, Wednesday night. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks, see you, man. Thanks, Thanks Darby. Darby Allen. That's pretty cool, right? Enigmatic. Yes. One of the brightest new talents in the UFC. You don't know what you're dealing with. The next level, you know, I'm a bona fide star. Takes on one of the most explosive fighters in the division. Flying knee. He knocked him out. The middleweight title is on the line when Israel Adesanya meets Yoel Romero at UFC 248. Join Sirius XM Fight Nation this Saturday for full coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, followed by post-fight reaction and analysis at 1 a.m. Eastern. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. We bring the fight to you. Hey, wait, hey, guys, I just read this yesterday. Not sure if it's true or not. Busted open. Radio, mm-hmm. the number one rated sports show on all of Sirius XM. That's the rumor going around man, town. That's, that's what Mike Johnson, I read Mike Johnson's column. That's what Mike Johnson said. doesn't lie, man. I go back with Mike over 20, 25 years. So uh comes from Mike Johnson. Take it to the bank. Well, nobody tells me anything here, so thank you. Hey, before I leave, can I just uh, give props to Drew McIntyre? Please. Uh, man, I love what he did uh, last night. I thought that was really dramatic. I think it's very believable. He's a great uh, opponent for Brock. But even more importantly, being a great opponent, I think the transformation he underwent when he left the company as part of 3MB, and I love 3MB. I thought to myself, I've seen Drew McIntyre as a main event guy. I didn't buy it. This is going back Mm -hmm. five, six, seven years. I do buy him as a low-card comedy figure. I even gave away or sold at the Foley Garage Sale for Christmas Magic my 3MB t-shirt. Was that big of a fan, but thought, this is Drew McIntyre. That's as good as it gets for Drew McIntyre. And within a week or two after leaving, I got a message from Drew, and he said, Mick, like I know we don't know each other that well, but I respect your opinion. I'm trying something different. I apologize in advance for the language, but it's an 18 and older audience. And he, I, I so I, I check it out, I press play, and there's a guy who looks like Drew McIntyre, but is in a sense a different human being, cutting this impassioned promo that's full of emotion and full of life. And I'm looking at my screen like going, where did this come from? And where, you know, where, where was this? And what is this guy capable of doing? And the first thing I did, and this is not something I do often, I can count the number of times I've done this on one hand of a couple fingers left over. I texted Triple H and said, Hunter, I know he just left here, but you need to keep an eye on Drew McIntyre. And I think I use that phrase, he's almost like an entirely different human being. And so for any guy who leaves WWE, and we all reserve the right to, you know, to cash in on what we've done, to work the indies, to sell our gimmicks, no one will think less of us for that. But while doing that, simultaneously keep your eye on the long-term game. What he did is inspirational. It should be like a roadmap for everyone who leaves and believes they're capable of doing something better. I, I think, uh, yeah, I really, I really admire what he did. He put in the work. He transformed himself, and now he's a veritable 
WrestleMania main event performer. And I just want to, you know, give props to a guy who did things, uh, who could have done the, gone the easy route and chose not to, and, uh, and it's paid off for him. Uh, you know, Mick, Drew is definitely a guy worthy of that praise. And I, and I lump him in with two other guys who have done what is close to the impossible, which is be at the bottom and work their way back to the top. Jinder, in many ways, did the same thing. You know, he left, he came back, he caught Vince's eye, and he was able to work his way back to the top. Not main eventing at WrestleMania like Drew will, but be able to get a championship around his waist. And then I believe what The Miz did was... Probably one of the most impossible things. He was at the top, then got knocked all the way back to the yeah. bottom and rose back again to become one of the most entertaining people in that entire company. So three people come to mind. And as you know, Mick, once you're at the bottom of that ladder in the WWE or once you leave, it is nearly impossible to get back on Vince's radar. And those three guys did, especially Drew, because when you look at Drew, he fits the Vince you know, pro wrestler, sports entertainer to a T. And when he, when people realized this guy could win the Rumble, it all made perfect sense. You know, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. Like the same people are yelling at their screen thinking that Brock was going to go through all 30 guys. We're now jumping up for joy. And I'm going to add another name to that list. And I know he didn't do it in uh, WWE, but Cody Rhodes is a sign that everyone should go out there and try to get what they think they're worth. And if it's clear that you're not going to get that opportunity in one place, then go out there and uh, and make it happen. You know, it's uh, another textbook example of uh, believing in yourself. All right. We only have about a minute before we say goodbye, Mick. Really appreciate the time, as always. And one more time, re- realmcfoley.com, your show, going back on, on the road, March 10th, all the way to beginning of May. Yep. And then check out the uh, WrestleMania, Ultimate WrestleMania Experience Raffle. Uh, on my Twitter, Real Mick Foley, and I'll make sure I've got that up on the website by the end of tomorrow. Bully, maybe we can uh, get Mick to come to our uh, WrestleMania party the day before WrestleMania, if possible. If we if we have if, once we find a venue, yes, Mick is invited. <laughs> We're Open on invite. an extensive search to find the best venue for our WrestleMania party. How many people are going to be in the party? Um, I would think we're probably going to get about what we got. Well, last year we got about seven hundred people. So okay, that's more than my hotel room can <laughs> handle. That's what I said. If we can't find a place, I'm just inviting just everybody the, back to the hotel room. Just have I'm pulling a Ric Flair. <laughs> just have the hotel lobby again. Uh, Real Mick Foley. Dot com starting in Roanoke, Virginia on March the 10th. There's already dates that are sold out, going all the way to Kansas City. Uh, on May the 7th, the Thursday, and you're going to be on the road like day in and day out. You're two weeks straight doing one-nighters for two weeks without a day off. So, Mick, this is and one hell of a thing. It. Yes. You, <laughs> that's good to know. So and get it, smart for you. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.